This is Joan Sweeney with the Voice of the Viatorians. Today I will be reading a speech that was delivered by a student of St. Vitor College in Bourbonnais, Illinois, by the name of C.G. Fisher, from the class of 1913. That's 100 years ago now. The speech was given on class day at the end of the year ceremonies. It was then published in the vacation edition of the 1913 school journal called the Viatorian. The speech was titled, Brain and Brawn. The best authorities agree that education is the development of the whole man, soul, and body. The ideal is best expressed in the old Latin proverb, mensana and corpore sano a sound mind in a sound body. If this ideal be true, as it evidently must be, because it is backed up by weighty authority, then one would hardly wish to question it. Therefore, I feel one hazards nothing in saying that the class of 1913 is a group of well-educated men. The pitiable wreck now lying before us of a once great banquet demonstrates conclusively, as a philosopher would say, the power and vigor of their physical prowess, and I wish to assure anyone who may have any doubts on the subject that the class is fully capable of repeating this convincing demonstration three times a day and indefinite period. This I consider powerful and convincing evidence that the class of 1913 has realized one part of the educational ideal, the sanum corpus. However, we have other convincing evidence that they have other ways in showing their physical prowess, and that is on the athletic field. Whether it be on the gridiron, diamond, or basketball floor, the class of 1913 has provided a leader and star performers. The football team was indeed fortunate in having at its head one who was surely capable in handling a team who was always in the midst of the fray and ever cheering his men on to victory. I speak of Captain Thomas Harrison. He was ably assisted by a little package of football goods that only weighed 145 pounds, but was always a terror to his opponents. Perhaps the best ground gainer for his weight in the West and one of the best who ever wore a St. Viator uniform, Thomas Welsh, who sprinted 80 yards for a touchdown against Loyola University. Again on the diamond, St. Viator's men were led by one who for the past two years has been the idol of St. Viator's fans, Captain Kekich. Now I come to the branch of athletics of which I do not like to pass judgment because there may be many here who might not consider me an impartial judge. Basketball is a gentle, refined amusement, invented to while away the tedium of winter months when no one can do anything else, and since the class thought it should do its share towards affording amusement during the aforesaid months, I was elected to represent the class in this branch of athletics because I guess I had never been known to be able to do anything else. Now, since I have spoken of the ability of our athletes, and of which indeed the class is noteworthy, 
it is much more so because of its intellectual athletes. In proof of this, I would point to the mighty deeds accomplished on the field of intellectual action by the class of 1913. They have explored and subdued the land where thick shadows, bristling forests, and fierce monsters abound, the land of philosophy. The monsters of error have been slain, the forests of difficulty have been removed, and the dim shades of profound philosophic problems have been dispelled by the clear bright light of reason. I need not assure you that this is a strong man's task under which a mental weakling would sicken and die. Therefore, the very fact that the class of 1913 has successfully passed the fiery test entitles them to a clear hill of intellectual health. The class has carried a load of examinations in essays and orations that might well have staggered a camel, and though at times our backs ached and our heads reeled, yet we managed somehow to stand up under the crushing burden. The man who is not satisfied that this is fair evidence of health is, I submit, somewhat unreasonable in his demands. Furthermore, be it said, and with pride, that such has been our mental ability, that it has been the singular privilege of the class of 1913 to compose, with but one exception, the entire editorial staff of the college journal, The Viatorian, which under our charge has had its most successful and prosperous year since its foundation some 32 years ago which fact has placed it in the foremost ranks of college journalism. Apart from this, the class of 1913 can lay claim to a particular intellectual distinction because it was through the efforts of a member of the class, the St. Viator, for the first time, entered the field of intercollegiate debating. Mr. O'Brien, feeling that the intellectual light of St. Viator College should no longer be hidden, challenged probably the greatest debating university in the West. The challenge was accepted. The defeat of Notre Dame is already history, so I need not relate to you how Mr. O'Brien, Rowan, Unra, and Daly, and all the members of the class of 1913 invaded Notre Dame and snatched the laurels of victory from their brow. We look upon their glorious victory as a particular achievement of the class. We look upon their glorious victory as a particular achievement of the class. This, in brief, is a recital of the brains and brawn of the class, and if each one of us is not a living exemplification of the mens sana in corpore sano, certainly the class as a whole can be characterized by this dictum of the Latins. It is my intention to show you that the number, year, and day 13 is not a hoodoo, that is, one that should be looked at and talked about with fear, but one that should be hailed with joy by every person here. However, before I tell you about the joy of the 13 stars of St. Vitor College and the sun about which they revolve, 
it would be best to tell you how this superstition originated. You can trace the superstition of 13 over most of the countries of Europe and the whole of the United States. You find it in the stock exchange, in society, and in business. A large number of people tremble at the mention of 13, while some of them nearly go into hysterics. This superstition is traced as far back as the mythology of the gods and goddesses who hated that number. Others say that it is on account of the 13 that sat down to the Last Supper, and as Judas, the first to leave the table, hanged himself. On this account, to every company of 13, some evil must happen. However, the most definite reason is that given out by insurance companies who claim that of 13 persons taken indiscriminately, one will die within a year. Thus, the superstition has originated, but I maintain that the result has been just the opposite, and this will, I maintain, till my eyelids will no longer wag. In the first place, 13 has a presidential record. In order to have his signature with 13 letters, Washington abbreviated his Christian name George. Andrew Jackson, Zachary Taylor, James Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, and Ulysses S. Grant each had 13 letters in their names. Thomas Jefferson, the framer of the Constitution, had 13 letters in his name. The name of President Woodrow Wilson contains 13 letters. He was the 13th president of Princeton and held that position for 13 years. He was declared president of the United States January 13, 1913, and as a result considers 13 his lucky day or number. Upon the great seal of the United States, there are 13 stars, 13 stripes, 13 arrows, 13 olives, and last but not least, the motto, E Pluribus Unum, with its 13 letters. 13 colonies declared their independence. The result of a plan proposed by James Wilson, February 13, and which was introduced into the Continental Congress, June 13, 1776, and was adopted on July 4, 76, two numerals which again make 13. History abounds with the 13 as a lucky day and number. The Star-Spangled Banner was written September 13, 1814. The first American flag with its 13 stars and 13 stripes was approved on June 13, 1777. Columbus landed on the shores of our islands October 13. On June 13, 1494, he discovered Cuba. On January 13, 1733, the English settlers took possession of Georgia. December 13, 1621, was announced by Governor Bradford as Thanksgiving Day. Molly Pitcher, whose name contains 13 letters, was born October 13, 1774. The name of William Shakespeare contains 13 letters and he wrote 39 plays, or three times 13. The name of our invincible leader and logician, Reverend William Bergen, contains 13 letters, 
and it was the year 1913 that three members of the class of 13, coached by Father Bergen, defeated Notre Dame in a debate on woman suffrage, a question composed of 13 letters. It could not be otherwise, as the three debaters, Timothy A. Rowan, Edwardus Unruh, and John Anthony O'Brien, each had 13 letters in his name. Thus we see that no other year but the year of 1913 would do for us to graduate. It is true there are other years, but no other would do for the simple reason that the class of 13 is composed of 13 stars, which revolve around one son, namely the president of the class, Thomas C. Harrison, a name composed of 13 letters, though we all call this son Muggins for short. The star to you I will relate in turn. It is not my intention their fame to deride, for with me I hope they all will abide. The first star of this universe is O'Brien, the star of the Greek class, whose brightness gave, gave him the name of Red. The first star of this universe is O'Brien, the star of the Greek class, whose brightness gave him the name of Red. Besides, we have Rowan, the Latin star, whose knowledge shortened his name to Tim, and who claims that if a man eats dates, he is consuming time. Then comes Daly, the mathematical star, who is known to us as Lefty, or Jim, he having lost part of his name whilst in search of the mathematical infinite. Leonard, our political economy star, who on account of his business acumen, we call him Foxy, for he stabled his cow in an ice house so that she would give ice cream. Langloy, our biology star, who on account of his proportion is known as Fat. He claims that a fly has 9,369,999 pores, and says that if you don't believe it, count them. We also have a stage star, Unra, whose acting ability gave him the name of Hamfado, and whose refrain always is that a boil in the pot is worth two on the neck. Brady, the literary star, for which reason he takes the name of Endurance, as he claims that no matter how truthful a man be in life, he is bound to lie at the point of death. We also have athletic stars, the first one being Welsh, our football star, for he takes with him the name of Woozy, and when he writes his name, it looks like a Chinese prescription for chills. Flynn, the tennis star, for he is a very good shot, and who says that sunshine makes the hair grow. Fisher, our basketball star, though he is known to us as Dutch, as he is always hocking the Kaiser. Kikic, the baseball star, who has the title of Cap, and who claims that when he plays ball, everything is so still you can hear a gum drop. The speediest star of the lot is Dougherty, for which reason he is known as Speedo, as he left his window open one night, to let out the dark. But one thing that infallibly happens 
is that when all the fellows are rooting at a ball game, we miss Rooter Dougherty. The last star of this universe I will not name, but he can be known as the fire star, for he thinks that a cigar in the hand is worth ten in the store. Thus I have related to you why no other year but the year of 1913 could be our graduating year, for the class is composed of thirteen stars, which shine so bright about the sun, Harrison, and these stars do not fear the word thirteen, and I believe that neither does any one now present here. But if there be any that still fears thirteen, let him speak up, and I will continue to fight with him until my eyelids will no longer wag. To the class of thirteen, I give this toast, that their equal will never be seen. Greater wisdom no other class can boast than ours of thirteen. Well, that's it from the voice of the Viatorians. To learn more about the Viatorians or the stories you've heard here, visit their website, www.viatorians.com. <laughs>